Hello. It is Overreaction Monday, December 21st, 2020. It is winter solstice. All right. Yeah, the sun only comes out for a little bit and disappears. It's the shortest day of the year. Mm-hmm. Did I learn that this morning while taking a shit reading the internet? Absolutely. Yeah. Has it been happening my entire life? Sure. Did mm-hmm. I know what it meant? No, but I guess Jupiter and Venus or something are going to be playing a little tag team wrestling tonight, too. Really? Yeah, there's something going on. Maybe Saturn and Mars. There's two planets that are going to play Dosey Do tonight that we can see if you look in the sky. Oh, like a dual eclipse kind of thing. Yeah, it's like one of the first 400 years, they said. Really? Maybe 200. Been a couple hundred years till this since this has happened. Don't miss it. Yeah, it's going to be cloudy, though. Probably going to fucking miss it. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. But if you if you don't have clouds in the sky, go ahead and look for a couple of different planets, Dosey Do, and it's a special day. We overreact hard to a lot of things going on in the NFL right now. Good conversations with Dan Orlovsky, mm-hmm. Mike Lombardi, Field mm-hmm. Yates, A.J. Hawk, the boys. I mean, it was a, we were on one today. Oh, yeah. It's Monday. It's Overreaction Monday. It's great. Week 15 was awesome. There's a big game tonight. Obviously, we we're overreacted at tomorrow alongside Aaron Rodgers and the boys. Just want to give a little uh, life update. Yeah. I understand why Bezos is worth the amount of money he's worth. Oh, yeah. I got an Amazon account for the first time here the last couple of days and trying to take care of the old Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. How are you not supposed to buy everything in the game? Yeah, that's the that's the trick. It that is window shopping in your pocket already connected to your credit card will show up at your house tomorrow. Listen, I got a lot of tweets saying like welcome to 2010, Pat. I've stayed away from it on purpose cuz I know that this is potentially my kryptonite. I'm going to have to delete the app after Christmas season. Oh yeah. It has been fucking awesome. That algorithm is incredible. It'll eventually you'll start getting stuff like it's going to know what you want before you know you want it. I've always said it. I'm not the right person to have money. Mm-hmm. I've all I got a barn of bad decisions. Yeah, and it seems like that barn that I've been able to kind of stash away down over the hill that I don't see, it's showing up in my pocket all of a sudden with this Amazon thing. It is awesome. I hope you all got your holiday shopping done. I did. It all arrived in 24 hours somehow. What the fuck is going on? Congrats to Bezos for creating something that's going to take advantage of everybody, and it has, I guess, Mm -hmm. but also something that's taking care of some people and everybody as well. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to UPS and all those guys as well. FedEx, Mm -hmm. Postal Service. We appreciate the hell out of all the Santa Clauses running around delivering gifts. Uh, Let's get to the show, shall we, Ty? Yeah, sounds good. Happy Winter Solstice. This is a tiny little regional show held in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it's Overreaction Monday, December 21st. Also, Winter Solstice, not 100% sure what the fuck that means. I believe this is the shortest day that we will see the sun, so it's going to get dark early, and it was dark late this morning, but there's not just dark days for all of us. Now, granted, the New England Patriots, for the first time in 12 years, are officially out of the playoffs. There are other teams that are out. There are some teams that solidify the fact that they are in, just a few in each uh, conference. But there's one team that won yesterday that defied all odds. There was one team yesterday that took flight to Los Angeles to play against a team that needed to win for their playoff standings and rankings. There was one team yesterday that got a W that potentially fucked their franchise's future for the foreseeable time being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
The Jets winning yesterday is one of the most awesome things I've ever seen in my entire life. And let me tell you why. There's only been a couple other teams that a team going 0-13 or 0-14 or whatever have won in this week. I was a part of one of them. In 2013, my Colts team, we were literally completely defeated. Thought we were going to go into the annals of history with the Detroit Lions at the time. Since then, the Browns have jumped onto the boat and the Jets were potentially making a pitch to be the third team in the 101-year history of the NFL to go completely defeated but instead they did the unthinkable and I am so incredibly happy for the Jets and the players and the coaches now with that being said if I was to time travel back to whenever we got our first win against the Titans that day and Andrew Luck was sitting on deck with if you do recall was the guy that Trevor Lawrence is currently being compared to as being the guy who's going to make the easiest transition to the NFL in the history of the sport. John Elway, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence. Those are the three I just so happen to be in the same exact situation that the New York Jets were sitting in just yesterday. Now, I don't talk much, okay, at that time we stunk, I punted a lot, the locker room was in turmoil, the coaches all hated each other because they were pawning blame on others. Remember, it's not coaches and players that are tanking, it's normally the front office. Coaches and players want to keep their jobs, they want to continue to make money, they don't know how long their careers are going to be, they don't want to put shit on tape. So when you get that first win... When you get that first victory session after the game in the locker room, when you can finally look at each other and say, hey, all of our hard work has paid off. All of the film we studied this week, all of the practice we went through, the travel, the sacrifice away from the family, the hours in the, in the building. Well, I guess not now. On, on the Zoom calls, mm. you could say it was all worth it because we won. And I hope those boys, like we did, celebrated the living shit out of that dub. Congrats to you guys, okay? Congrats to you guys. Getting yourselves out of that third team to ever go completely defeated conversation forever. I'm so happy for you. I got friends that coach there. I got friends that play there. I am so happy for them to get to experience that and not have to be on that side of the conversation for the rest of their lives. Now, on the flip side, whenever we were doing this with the Colts and we were celebrating, there was a rumor that there were some people potentially crying in the Colts organization because Andrew Luck was potentially lost with us getting that win. There was a rumor or two that people who were about to make their way down into the locker room, they actually had to have a moment to themselves to gather themselves because they knew they were walking into a locker room, which was potentially the only group of humans in the entire region happy for what they just accomplished. There's rumors that literal executives of the Colts had moments where they didn't even want to look at the team because of how upset they were about potentially losing Andrew Luck. Now, at the time, RG3 was a guy that everybody thought could potential. And we're not saying RG Triple Sticks is anywhere near done. He just played mm-hmm. the other day, got snipered in the hand, he went back out on the field. But there was a lot of people that were upset, but the players and coaches, you couldn't tell us nothing. We were pumped. We won home. We were toasting. We were having a blast. We partied. Hey, we didn't go completely defeated. Are we in the playoffs? Nope. Did we go undefeated? Nope. Do we suck? Yep. But we don't suck as bad as the Browns and the Lions did. <laughs> they were able to lose every single There's that moment. But as I was watching along on the internet, I couldn't help but just feel 
so incredibly terrible for those fucking Jets fans. Oh. They All they wanted their team to do was what their team has done at an expert level for so goddamn long. All we need you to do is do what you've been doing for a long time and just do it a couple more games because there is a knight in shining armor coming from Clemson named Trevor Lawrence who is... By all accounts, a man who is going to be a great NFL quarterback. Who knows if the transition will be as easy for him as it has been for Herbert and Burrow and even Tua, who just beat the Patriots yesterday. I mean, the thought is he was going to do well. This is a guy that you could build your franchise around. Joe Douglas, the general manager, he'll be able to build a team around this guy. We're going to be off and running. All we need you to do is suck. And instead, they get a win over the Rams. And now there's a good chance that Trevor, 69% chance if Stephen Kornacki's big board is accurate that Trevor Lawrence will be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Mm. He'll be playing yeah. his home games down there in Shad Khan's pool paradise. He'll be taking his fan base which is in the ACC area right into Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium in the middle of Duval County and maybe they'll sell some tickets. Maybe they'll be able to build around him and they'll be off and running and the Jets well, looks like they're going to have to build around Sam Darnold. Oh. Is Sam Darnold going to be their guy? Is Joe Douglas, the GM who came from the Philadelphia Eagles, potentially going to make a run at the broken Carson Wentz after Jalen Hurts has another 300-yard day? Ooh. There's a lot of conversations coming out of this. Chiefs win. Packers win, Bills win and clinch. Josh Allen goes home. They fly home. There's videos of Bills Mafia outside the airport. 2, 3 a.m. Cold as balls. Just celebrating the Bills winning. Congrats to the Bills. AFC champs. Cardinals get a win, continuing the NFC wildcard hunt. The Bears are somehow back in the conversation because oh, yeah. <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky has learned how to play quarterback. The Buccaneers turn around a 17-point disadvantage to the Falcons and have the best second half they've played a football. The conversation is, will they be able to win a Super Bowl? Nobody knows. Literally nobody knows if they're going to be able to make a run. We always talk about the Chiefs who seem to play good in phases just like they did yesterday, by the mm-hmm. way. They play good in phases, but they play good enough to win every single game they beat the saints and depending on where you got the line they covered as well or they pushed for you but the buccaneers only needed one half of football and that one half of football they look very yep. good now a lot of people ask questions for obvious reasons on whether or not hey, Pat, they potentially stunk go ahead sorry to cut you off but uh we got somebody on the horn what's up somebody just called into the show uh wants to talk to you what Oh, coach for the Buccaneers. I was literally just about to say, before I got going, before you stopped me, thanks for calling in, by the way. I didn't know. Was this you and Mansuri's thing? Awesome. Thanks for calling in. (laughs) Were you listening? You heard me about to go on to a rant. A lot of people are wondering, do you guys fucking stink in that first half? (laughs) And then the good coaching adjustment, second half, you guys played good football. You don't stink, huh? That's good news. Hey, we're not dead. See you later, man. Oh, no. Get the (laughs) fuck out of here. Holy He's still shit. listening. You're still watching the show. That's why he called in, I'd assume, because he knew I was about to get going on the Bucks. And that was something you and him talked about as soon as I started talking about the Bucks, man, sir. Is that something that happened right there? Anyways, pretty clever. They're not dead. They seem to be a team that could win. Their defense played great in the second half. In the first half, Matt Ryan looked like a guy that you would potentially want to spend maybe half of what he's owed for the next three years as your starting quarterback. He was slicing, dicing, running, winning. And then all of a sudden, Tom Brady breaks the Atlanta Falcons' hearts once again. It was a wild weekend yeah. in the NFL. A lot of shitty games a lot of good games and we got a boring snoozer one for tonight just like we had last night congrats to the browns seem to be a good team 
Winning games they have to win. That personal foul on friend of the show, who also sounds a lot like most deaf, Jarvis Landry, uh, whenever he posterized that dude, and then that guy gets up in his face, was absolute bullshit. Cody Park, he shouldn't have had to kick from where he was kicking from. That should never happen again, because he, Tariko and Collinsworth had a field day with it. Fucking poor-ass Cody Park. That block kick, he did not deserve that. But there was a lot that happened tonight. Doesn't Isn't really going to change much. I guess if the Steelers lose, the Browns are really in the conversation here, closing down the last two weeks. Uh, but I'm pumped about the NFL. Yeah, hey, congrats. Congrats to AQ and the Bucks. He's a coach, by the way. Good coach in halftime. Yeah, Yo, great, uh, great coach adjustment. Great coach in halftime. Wish I could hear what was said. And I wonder if AQ gets any say in anything at this point. He just started his coaching career, what, a few weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I wonder if he does. What's up, Diggs? I think, I think he probably does. I don't think he's out there just not having thoughts not having thoughts and not having to take him seriously i would assume that ba forced him into this role by the way i think ba like uh I don't, aq never told me he forced me but i think if you watch <laughs> the way that whole thing played out he basically had a press conference where he's like aq will start to coach basically <laughs> and aq was like oh is that right I'm okay. gonna, it's kind of like what happened with uh now this isn't a great reference i guess because of how it's currently working but anthony lynn i guess parcells like forced him into coaching he was like hey oh, this yeah. is what you're gonna do you're gonna go cleveland Anthony Lynn was like i i don't think so i think i'm gonna no you're going to cleveland you're gonna get coaching and you end up I think that's kind of what B.A. did with A.Q. It's like, oh, yeah, you're going to coach now. By the way, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, you're not going to have to do all that bullshit that all mm-hmm. coaches have to do to get to this level. I'm going to give you a pretty good little spot here, uh, and you're going to do it. You're going to be really good at it. And A.Q. has been enjoying it a lot, by the way. But they need to figure it the fuck out because in the second half, they looked very good. Okay, A.B.'s catching deep balls oh, again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gronk's making plays. The defense was getting pressure on Matt Ryan. It felt like the D.B.'s were making some plays, too. They don't have a lot of time to figure it out down there. But they're also, you know, winning games. As opposed to Saints down there losing games. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are wondering, is Drew Brees done? Is Drew Brees dead? Is his arm dead? Yeah. Nobody knows. Still a lot of questions remain in this week 15 wrapping up tonight. Week 16 of the NFL season is already here. Wow. Congrats, congrats to the NFL getting this point. We're almost there. We're almost there. That boy Shield. At Tone Diggs, Pittsburgh Steelers play the Bengals tonight. Big game. Big, big, big game tonight. Yeah, it's for the division, Pat. I mean, yeah, how boring is this game going to be? Oh. Tonight's game is going to Well, it's suck. either going to be... Worse than last night's game somehow. I don't know how last night's game ended up as last night's game. Where everybody's like, well, it's supposed to be Cowboys-Niners. And it was a pretty good game. Like, listen, that game was a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's zero playoff implications on that game. Uh, and the Browns had playoff implications or whatever. But, boy... The flex thing is supposed to save us from what happened last yeah. night. It did not. That was a bad football. No, tonight's going to be tonight's tonight's going to be a disaster. It's hopefully going to be a blowout and the Steelers win the division. It's a get right game, but but more likely than not, it's going to be a national television disaster for the Steelers. It's going to be closer than it should be. Really? Gary Gilbert's going to throw for 397. Hell yeah. That did happen down there in Dallas. That did cuz the, the guy's name is Ryan Gilbert. Ryan Philly. Finley, yeah. Ryan <laughs> Finley's the guy. Gilbert He's Finley. Gary Gilbert's Ryan brother Gilbert Finley, here yeah. playing for Cincinnati. Of quarterbacks we never expected to be starting in the NFL, but it's 2020 and they're starting all of a sudden. Very interesting if tonight plays out how you just described it because it does feel as if that has been the Steelers' season. Yeah. The Steelers now are on a couple games sly here, okay? Yeah. They're a little bit of a schneid. Things are going bad. And a lot of people are saying this potentially at Evan Foxy's fault, who has only been a Steelers fan for two weeks now at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's because of his fanhood that the Steelers, who were previously undefeated, have been completely defeated since your fanhood has started, Evan Ooh. Fox. How do you feel about that? All of Pittsburgh hates you. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Pack when I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers about three years ago, they were the hot three weeks ago. Excuse oh, me, oh, they were the hottest oh. team in the league. So I'm like, wow. 
this is going to be a lot of fun. And then they go 11 wins, 11 wins, undefeated. And then they go and play the Washington football team. They lose. They lose again to the Bills. And I'll tell you what, this has not been very fun. No. It has not been very fun. So uh, tonight, if the Pittsburgh Steelers don't get it together, I'm done being a fan of this team. I'm done wearing the hat. I'm done wearing the jersey. I want to have fun. I thought the playoffs were supposed to be fun. This team stinks. Well, Foxy's (laughs) been a Lions fan his whole life. He was hoping to experience the playoffs a little bit, but seems like he's saying he hitched a wagon to a bunch of lame horses. These are settler horses. No, no, he's saying he hitched the wagon to horses that are settling, okay? Not the horses that made it all the way to California. We're talking about the horses that got to... Uh, India? No, you guys made it 11, 11 games. Utah. Uh-huh. So maybe, huh, maybe before, maybe Missouri. Maybe made it to Missouri and just go ahead and park the squat right there. Yeah. That That is something that he is saying about the wagon that he hitched himself to, but it does feel like his Lions suck curse. Yeah, yeah. He just brought it right into Pittsburgh, yeah. and there ain't nothing they can do about it. They're probably begging for you to yeah. hop off the wagon, yeah. Foxy. I mean, there's a lot of people that are begging me to beg for their rival teams right now. Can I just say one more thing about the Stillers, Pat? Yeah. Before I gotta get this off my chest. Can we give Juju Smith-Schuster a break for dancing all the time? Yeah. Huh? If the man wants to dance, hey, you let him dance. Let him dance! And you know what? If my coach, Coach T, says it's okay for him to dance, let the man dance. Dance. Okay. Hey, that guy speaks for the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that guy oh, Thank you. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to dance all over the bubble's grave because they're going to win and they're going to bounce back. Hey, that's guy, that guy's speaking for the Pittsburgh Steelers fans he's not, everywhere. Uh-huh. He's not. not just in Pittsburgh because you do know that Pittsburgh, the fans are everywhere. Every oh, single yeah. city has a Pittsburgh Steelers bar in it. And I learned a story. It was because when Steel Mill shut down, uh, everybody was kind of went for jobs and they kind of left and then they all kind of made their homes but they all had the Steeler um, heritage still oh. running through their blood so it kind of grew these communities and all these places and the grit and, and Fox is just one of those guys yeah. Fox is just Grew one of those grit. guys That's right. born and raised yeah, got tough they didn't abandon their team Fox oh. something to think about well Whoa. the Detroit Lions the Detroit Lions are Stink. in quite a situation Ooh. I mean they're in quite a situation mm-hmm. what do you do with Matty Stafford he's still just out there slinging the goddamn mm-hmm. rock he had a no look tud yesterday yeah. mm-hmm. Gorgeous. That was filthy. Nobody mentioned it on the commentary booth. <laughs> the production people didn't show a replay of it that if you shoot from the back, you would have seen him literally looking this way and throwing it across his body into a tight little Gosh. window. No, he, he is so good at football. Mm-hmm. So good at football. He's just been held hostage up there in the, uh-huh. the Motor City. Yeah. Hey. It's a shame you've got to move on from him. Your team's going to stink even worse. I'll tell you what, more than anything, I would love Matthew Stafford to stay a Detroit Lion. But at this point, I would almost feel bad if he did stay a Detroit Lion. So I'd like to just say, thank you, Nine. Oh, jeez. You don't care. Okay, and the interesting thing is, a lot of people are saying maybe Matty Stafford to Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger came out and said he's got plans to play another year. Yikes. Well, it might not have been Ben. It was sources close to yeah, Ben. Yeah, so somebody told somebody that something was happening. Maybe God told him another year out there. Uh-huh. Let your team figure out how to run the rock a little bit so you don't have to just throw that brand new elbow into the goddamn dirt every single mm-hmm. game. At Boston Connor, it is a new era, pal. Your team is, is dead. Yep. They are done. Mm-hmm. They're making mistakes, by the way. The Patriots made mistakes yesterday against the Dolphins. 
Dolphins that you don't normally see. Now, granted, earlier in the year, we saw uh, that Hoyer quarterback take a sack with no timeouts right before half in field goal range, miss out on a field goal, bad situational football. Yesterday, we just watched uh, their defense have too many men coming out of a timeout. Okay, not normal Patriot shit. Then at the end of the game, down 10 in field goal range on fourth down, no timeouts left. They don't choose to kick the field goal. Instead, they keep quarterback out there. They take a sack game over. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things happening up there that are very un Bill Belichick like there are a lot of decisions and situational football situations (laughs) that are not being run well. I'm wondering if Bill Belichick is checked out. Is oh, Bill no. Belichick done? Do you think Bill Belichick's done? Because this is not normal. We'll talk to Michael Lombardi uh, an hour from now. He's obviously former coaching consultant for the Patriots, and he has his, I think his son's coaching up there. Mm-hmm. Is Bill Belichick checked out and done with the Patriots? Because he said, hey, listen, I brought a fucking dynasty here, greatest dynasty of all time. I'm out of here. You guys stink. What would Kraft do? Him and John Bon Jovi eating popcorn up there. Oh, damn yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There ain't nothing he can be able to do if Bill Belichick leaves that place. GM and head coach needed. That'd be wild. He's not going anywhere. You know, we risk a lot. But I think what everyone's forgetting is that Bill used all of his power last week when we got to the Rams facility. And what he did was he put all of his mojo, all of his smarts into the Jets visiting locker room, oh. which the New York football Jets then went and did it. And like you said, it's been 12 years since we haven't been in the playoffs. But the story today is how the Jets blew everything up in their season. So, you know, as bad as it is, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be in the AFC East. So, ha! Hey! hey. Big win! He's We're gonna, winning! He's going to be in the AFC South, which is a shame. What if Belichick <laughs> did, like Charlie Wood, did for uh-huh. Justin Thomas, Bingo. where he wrote draw hole in the sand or whatever, and then Justin Thomas picked it up and it was a message. What if, by the way, that kid was unbelievable. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. And I'm tired of the people telling the internet to stop talking about how good Charlie's. You're going to put unreasonable pressure on that kid. He's only 11. He's fucking Tiger Woods' kid, okay? Whether it's fair or not, he has unreasonable amount of pressure yeah, on yeah. him already, okay? I'm allowed to celebrate how great this kid is at something at 11 years old. I got a lot of people telling me, stop, stop, will you please stop it? Okay, he's too young. He's too young. What do you want me to Stop complimenting a phenom. This kid looks unbelievable. He had a 180-yard draw or something that went to three feet through an eagle. Then he chipped one closer to his dad and closest to the pin. He walked by the cameras as if he was Tiger Woods. The kid is... He's going to win 30 green jackets, I think. It was awesome to watch. I had to watch it this weekend strictly because in 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, if we're still on this tiny little small regional show with no listeners and no ability to move anything, if we're still doing it, I would like to be able to say, I remember the first weekend I fucking saw him. He was 11 years old, hitting draws and fades and chipping in and putting in. He was awesome to watch. Anyways, back to that. What if Belichick did write a note uh-huh. onto the Los Angeles Rams away locker room and was like, hey, Gase, listen, you stink, all right? We know <laughs> if we're going to try this today or whatever. It really fuck over the Jets. You're getting fired. You don't want to be there. Fuck over the Jets here. And that's what happens. I wonder, that Jets team looked like a different football team yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Sam Donner was making some throws. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore, who I've been begging for them to release him, to let him go somewhere else for weeks. He looked like he was 25 again. I mean, that was awesome out there. Get out of New Jersey. Get over to Los Angeles. The weather feels pretty oh, good. Nice. We're not supposed to win this game at all. How you doing? Keep it moving. Let's fuck up this franchise for 10 years. Wildest, wildest stat I heard yesterday was the Jets have scored on their opening drive in the last eight games. I was like, 
Jesus. Yeah. Good football team. Hey, that, that means a scripted place. Yeah. Hey, that's why Adam Gase gets uh-huh. jobs. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's right. right. Uh, Anti Schmidt. Packers get a win, but in the second half look terrible. Any worries there? Uh, not really. You know, I got them at seven and a half. Uh, good teams win, great teams cover. So, and I do need to go back and rewatch the uh, the game. Hand up. I was pretty tuned up on Saturday. <laughs> Happy night. birthday. Thank Happy you. Birthday. Thank Happy you. Birthday. So, yeah, I mean, they got up to that 21 3 lead, and I was kind of just like, all right, well, they're going to win. It might not, you know, and. They let him back in, but hey, it's all right. We're, I'm very excited for Sunday Night Football this week against the Titans. I think that's a big-time hey, measuring stick game. And good bounce back for Sunday Night Football, by the way, after mm-hmm. the snooze fest that was last Huge. night. That's a big game. Yeah. Joining us now is a man who's on ESPN all the time talking about stuff. He's currently probably in a massive pretzel with his quarterback projections. Cannot wait to chat with this man. He was in the NFL for 13 seasons as a quarterback. Now he's on the ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Orlovsky. Yeah! Dan, what's going on, dude? How you doing out there? I'm good, buddy. How are you, man? Hey, not too shabby. Whenever you uh, put those glasses on... Whoa. Oh. Is that like your uniform, though, whenever you put, like, when you're at home and you're about to get ready to go on to ESPN, you know, you go into the bathroom, you put on the suit, you know, you do the whole thing, you got that tight little tie, and then you go, yeah, let me t- let me yeah. cap this son bitch off. Let me go and put a, these glasses on. That's, that's how I, like, got ready for Catholic school as a youngin. Put on the, put on the, the for the St. Lawrence Thunderbird, Thunderbirds, Shelton, Connecticut, put oh, on the, shut up. Oh, the blue coat with the, Blue tie and the blue sat- slacks, and either the white or the light blue shirt. The Thunderbirds. Did you really? You went to Catholic school? I didn't know that. Uh, K through eight, yeah, and then I went to public school. Oh, were you just a wild animal your ninth grade year? Nah, I was. I was pretty much a square. <laughs> Never would have guessed. <laughs> no. Let's start talking about. Let's start talking about your life now. Um, you last year were such a public cheerleader for Carson Wentz. And right. this is not an actual story, okay? This is something hearsay that I read. You were so loud about how much you love Carson Wentz last year that the Philadelphia Eagles were like, let's get this guy in here to coach Carson Wentz because of how much he likes him. So that was a rumor. I don't know if it's true. You don't have to clarify that or not. I'm just setting up my question for you. You took my name and threw it into a trash bag, lying about something that I said alongside other people about what they said about Carson Wentz. Then this year, the beginning of the season, he has his struggles. You're still going to bat for him. But then, you know, you realize like, hey, we're in a, this is a much different year than last year. What are yeah. you seeing out of the entire situation and how that's going to end up? Jalen Hurts is playing great football right now. Yeah. Carson Wentz seems to be in an interesting situation. Doug Peterson said, I'll name a starter today. How does that end? And are any of them in a harmonic fashion? Or is it all going to be bad, you think? Yeah, there's a lot to that. One, I don't think Carson ever plays in Philly again. Um, I just don't see how that can ever happen again. I want to make sure I'm clear with some things. I was right last year. I was right when everyone else said the kid was sucking. I was like, he's going to be fine. 27 touchdowns, seven tutties. You might have said that to me. I'm pretty sure you said he stunk to me at some point. I can't. I don't have, like, evidence, but I'm pretty sure you did. I mean, I would um, guarantee, by the way, if I, if you said I said somebody stunk, there's a good chance I probably did say it, but not on air. Not on air. Would you- I, I think, like, I think this, man, like, um, you know, like, how special a locker room is. And then, like, there's, you know, there's fractions of, I don't want to say, but there's parts of locker rooms 
that are a little bit more unique and teams that are a little bit more unique. And I think unique in quarterback rooms are one of them. And I just don't see how you have both those guys in quarterback rooms. Like, I think a quarterback room, I know a quarterback room could be competitive, but it can't be combative. Those two dudes in the same room, it's just going to be combative. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because this has happened before where there's an incumbent and then there's a new guy. How do you know it's combative, though? Why do you say that? Is this what you're hearing or you think? Well, because everything you're hearing about Wentz over the last two or three months and his personality off the field or how – how impactful the draft pick was, or, you know, you hear the thoughts of entitlement or the stories of entitlement. I can't confirm these, but like you hear he's super entitled and he wants things his way and, and how the the second round pick affected him. And now the second round picks on the field and he's bawling. Like, I can't see that. He just goes, all right, yeah, cool. We'll be fine. You know, we'll, (laughs) we'll make it work for the best of the team. Um, And if you're Jalen Hurts and you play good over the next two games, I have no reason to think you won't. How would you not go into the season and be like, wait, how, what, how is it not my job? Like, how is it not my, me as the starter? Do you think all that stuff that you're hearing about, the rumors, the hearsay, the entitlement, and things like that, that's why Doug Peterson isn't naming a starter until each week? Um, I, I have no idea why Doug's not doing it. Like, it seems like he's trying to toy with people, you know, um, toy with the media maybe. Like, we okay. all know. We, we, we yeah, Like, you don't have to be a football savant to, like, just watch the game and go, yeah, that guy's playing better than the other guy. This team plays better. This team was terrible with takeaways. They've got six over the last two weeks. They had 11 on the season. So the team just plays better. Um, and Jalen Hurts is playing great. And so, you know, I, I think that, like, I think Philly's very aware of the situation. It's $60 million of dead cap space if he's not on their team next year, right? Something like that, 59? A lot like, of money. They're very aware, a lot of, money. aware of the situation. So, like, it's super delicate, man. Um, I, I just don't see – how those two guys could be in the same room on the same team, healthy-wise. I don't, I don't see that in Philadelphia. Who would want Carson Wentz, especially with that contract? Some people are like, wait till you see Carson in New York because the Jets have Joe Douglas up there, which you and I tend to agree, by the way, that Sam Darnold was playing for his job. I think now they have to build around him, basically. But where do you think Carson yeah. Wentz ends up? And don't say Indianapolis just because <laughs> Frank Reich and he. Mm. Uh, do you think anybody is going to want to get that contract? I think it might be difficult to move Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think the contract just itself will be difficult. I thought that um, – I forget who it was made a good point today. Like, it's probably going to have to come with draft capital. Um, I, I, you know what? My opinion of Carson Wentz to Indy has changed over the past week. I yes! Had I had a conversation with somebody and, and, and who, who's pretty tied in and knows, and he doesn't think that's even remotely a chance. That's good news. Hey, that's yeah, good I don't, news. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's like realistic. Um, you know, everybody can eat shit. By the way, everybody <laughs> on here, everybody. Thank God. Not saying he won't be good somewhere. Okay, he'll be, maybe, but we should. I not- still think he could play. Like again, I still think he could play one hundred percent. Like I've said this. I don't know if I said this on your show last week, and I'll apologize <laughs> if I were myself but like dude you got to figure out where he is mentally does he want to play football still like does he does he still want to play ball um does he where's self-doubt after what happened in 2018 and 2017 watching somebody else take your football team it's like watching someone else take your family to disney world like that like watching someone else take your team and and getting the fast pass and the vip and then Mm -hmm. a statue outside of your house yeah you're getting the tour you're going on the back door stuff all that um (laughs) Does he is he confident in his inability anymore? Like like you got to figure that stuff out. And so 
I think those are real conversations for him. Sam Darnold, let's talk about him. You were on the team, obviously. You won the game for us. Uh, there was so much celebration in the locker room. Players, <laughs> coaches. I mean, we it was like we won the Super Bowl. There was- you remember Saturday? Do you remember what Saturday said after the game? Jeff Saturday, who was a part of like 27 Super Bowl teams or AFC championship teams. I remember being like, I've never been more proud of a group of guys in my life. And I was like, Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember Jeff Saturday speaking after that, but to be honest, that's because I was so happy. We were, yeah. we were so pumped. I was so pumped that forever. I, now, granted, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't afforded this opportunity, even though you won a game, but you did it for us. Like I never wanted to, you know, to have to ask answer questions about being on an zero sixteen team, right? Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I had three reporters last week hey dan i'd like to talk to you about guys we we did this i did the same interview with you last year i did it three years ago when the browns went on 16 the same answers every year but it's just you know like for us it was we were so happy and then there was rumors that some executives maybe at the colts or whatever like they were crying because they thought we potentially lost luck or whatever so yesterday my big thing was I'm so happy for those players and those coaches, but now that I'm in the media and I'm watching from afar, them potentially losing Trevor Lawrence for the next 10 to 15 years, I, I am so <laughs> bummed for their fans. So Dude. happy for the players. So bummed for their fans, though. I mean, like, I, wanna, I want everyone, I'll take people back in time to yesterday morning when we're all like, yeah, they're definitely going to lose to the Rams, right? You're going, all right, they're going to get the number one pick. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in college football. They're going to trade Sam Donald for like a late first, second-round pick. They're going to have 14 picks in the next two drafts in the first three rounds. Like, this team is going to get so much better so quick. It's the second most attractive job in football, maybe outside the Chargers this offseason. Then they lose, and everyone's like, oh, crap. Now we don't get Trevor Lawrence. It's not nearly as attractive of a job anymore. We're not trading Sam Darnold. We're not take, taking Justin Fields over. I'm like, man, what a demoralizing win for our organization. <laughs> Their fans are so mad. So, so mad. And I felt so bad for him. I, I didn't remember Colts fans being that upset. But I think that's because Colts fans, you know. We, Here's my thing, though, Pat. We had Peyton like, there for so long. Here's my thing, though, like. I mean, the Browns three years ago were 0-16, and no one talks about it anymore. Like, it doesn't, it's not that big a deal because they're good. Like, they're 10-4. and Baker's their quarterback. He's balling. Like, they're good. But no one talks about the Browns being 0-16. Well, that's because the Lions still suck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, half yeah. of the examples, half of the, half of the examples from previous regimes that have gone completely defeated are absolutely terrible. Now, granted, the Colts... One year afterwards, we went to the AFC Championship, but I mean, it's just like you know, there's a lot of, there's just a lot yeah. of give and take. What I, you think, Sam Darnold now, Joe Douglas has to build around, and you just said it's not that attractive of a job anymore. Is that because the the outside image of Sam Darnold, or what do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of the image. There was going to be excitement with Trevor Lawrence. Again, you're getting you're getting the guy that people are going to say is Andrew Luck, right? So there was going to be like this excitement, new coach, new quarterback, this general manager hit on his picks, all that stuff. And I think the Jet fan base is a little bit tired of Sam. Like, they don't want to hear Sam Darnold could be good. You know, we live in a world where, like, it's quarterback is great or quarterback sucks. It's not there, – there's no, there's no other variable that matters. And everyone has looked at what Sam has been a part over the last three years 
and they're a terrible team, and he hasn't played exceptionally well, and everyone's like, well, you know, we, we're, we don't want Sam Darnold. We want to move on from Sam Darnold. And I think that's, like, what makes it a little bit less attractive is, like, now n- now you've got to try to find the right coach that really likes Sam Darnold and can get him to play well but also lead your organization. How old is Sam Darnold? 22, 23. He's so young. There's still a chance for him to do whatever. But No doubt. It's, it, no doubt. No it, doubt. It is interesting, though, that now the focus is you got to build around Sam Darnold. I assume Joe Douglas will be able to do it. I mean, the guy seems to be smart, but... What a fucking day yesterday for Jets fans, man. Uh, Ty, what do you got? Dan, I know they uh, they pulled it close yesterday and, and almost beat the Chiefs, I guess, but do you think the Saints are maybe better off with either Taysom or Jameis Winston at quarterback than Drew uh, Brees going forward? This is no, a big even, thing here. Not even close. Because the Saints' offense is based upon like rhythm and efficiency. Taysom is not that, and neither is Jameis. Drew will be fine. Like That offense will be fine. They're going to – like. They're going to have to play really good complementary football to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Like, the the challenge for them is, like, are they going to be able to go to Green Bay? Like, can they go to Green Bay and win? Their defense should play good football, but will they be able to score enough points and be explosive enough on offense in Green Bay? If Green Bay gets the Rams, that's a bad matchup for Green Bay as well because the Rams can pound the football. So, like, That offense is based on rhythm and timing and efficiency. Drew will get that back. They didn't have Michael Thomas yesterday, all that stuff. So they'll be fine, but they're not going to be able – I don't think they'll whoop up on anybody in the playoffs. Like they'll have to play really good, clean football because they're not explosive enough to overcome a turnover, overcome – you know, a, a poor start. They're not explosive enough to do that. Hey, how come everybody's coming after me when I point out the obvious that Drew Brees is throwing the floater out there? You know, like, why Why is everybody coming after me, calling me a douchebag for asking that question? There was a couple uh, There was a couple balls yesterday that looked yeah. like he threw them left-handed. There we go. Now, granted, he threw like a 50-yard ball as well that mm-hmm. was very, very nice. But there was yeah. a couple balls that just looked a little – and then you listen to the Football Night in America, folks. Not Kornacki, who hit a home oh, run last once again. night. Kornacki. <laughs> Hit a home. He's good on the big. He's good on the the board. He is. He is. now. Granted, he, they don't have him doing the iPad like you got. Second or, best guy I've ever seen at it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, that's up for discussion for sure. I mean, a lot of people probably disagree with what you said, but I mean, I like that you have that type of confidence, which is why I don't want Carson Wentz on the Colts because the guy's got. None of them. But whenever you talk about Drew and you talk about him potentially throwing the ball like a floater or anything like that, and everybody comes after us, isn't that just something that happens though with father time? Like at some point, Drew Brees knows, right, that he doesn't have it anymore? Or do you think he still does? There's just because the football night in America people are talking about how he needs to get some rust off of him. He's in year like 70 or whatever. He needs to get rust off of him. Like what is the conversation around why he's playing the football the way he's playing it? Yeah, I mean, I, like everyone gets shocked when people make the comment, Drew's arm's not what it used to be. Yeah, guys, he's 40. Yeah. No, duh. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm like, is it still good enough to be really good, to execute their offense exactly the way they wanted to? Yes, but it's not going to be explosive. Like for, like for me, my opinion with NFL offense right now, like you've got to be explosive. That's the one thing I've said about the Saints all year long. Are they going to be able to screen past their way into the playoffs and into winning meaningful games in January? That's where I get kind of sometimes hung up on them. Dude, like Drew's arm, like Drew is, 
is going to lean on the things that have always made him great, getting the ball out before the receivers are open, throwing into windows, manipulating defenders. But that's why I say, like, the asterisk for me is do they have to go to Green Bay? Because doing that in yeah. zero-degree weather yeah. or five-degree weather is going to be exponentially more difficult. Hey, let's play a fun game here for, like, two seconds before we move on to another subject. Imagine Matty Stafford down there at the Saints. Whoa. Oh, bro. fuck, bro. just broke my pencil bro. because of it. I mean, <laughs> ma- imagine, imagine Matthew Stafford in a lot of places. He goes to the Colts. They become the second-best team in the AFC, third-best team in the AFC conversation. He goes to San Francisco. Let's go back to the Super Bowl. Like, dude, he threw – oh, you, you, uh, you put it on Twitter, that no-looker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, it was sick. Sick. He's so good. Nobody talked about it. You guys on ESPN are too good for him. But the, the, uh, <laughs> and the commentators had no idea it happened either. I saw it like as it happened live. But when I'm watching games at down in my basement, I got no DVR. Okay, so I couldn't like go down and rewind and like go back to it. So I was just, I know it's a nightmare, Dan. It's a nightmare. It has affected a lot of things, but I don't have to leave my house. So it's kind of. Do you need to borrow a couple shekels? uh, (laughs) I don't know what that is. Is that Christian Catholic school for money? Is that what that means? (laughs) There we go. All right, I don't. It's old school. It's old school. Hey, listen, I, I've been watching The Crown. I get, I get what you guys have gone through. Mm-hmm. Okay, I understand the whole thing. But <laughs> whenever they showed the replay, they picked the worst replay for that. Like, yeah, they, deciding. Deciding. Just get him from the like. Somebody in that production should have Come been on, like camera guy. Oh, he wasn't even <laughs> looking where he threw the give ball. Give me high. Give me high end zone camera four. Let's go. What's um? Is that what you're doing back there whenever you're getting there? Uh, What do you got, Connor? Dan, you just mentioned the Niners. Uh, Are they definitely moving on from Jimmy G and picking a quarterback from free agency or what? Yeah, I think they have to. One, because their window is like next year, right? Like their window, because eventually they're going to have to pay Bosa over the next two years or within the next two years. Debo's going to come up. Ayuk's going to be into year two. So like their, their window to win is very much so the next year or two. And as while they were so close last year with Jimmy G, that's what everyone's going to say. Like, you're so close with Jimmy G last year. Like, if if you can get away from the contract for not a significant amount of money and then see who is available and you go, okay, what like where does this guy talent-wise match up with what we can get? And if the Lions are going to move on from Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz, like there's going to be some guys out there, Matt Ryan in Atlanta, who knows, like, there's guys out there that you're going to go, I've done this with Jimmy G. Let me get that guy, and our chances to go win that Super Bowl are so much higher just because their talent level is significantly greater. Bro, there's no way they bring in Matt Ryan. He's owed $100 million. There's no That guy played in the first half, by the way, like a guy who was trying to prove that he's worth a quarter of what he's about to get paid or whatever. You know, He played unbelievable. $100 million is coming with him. That's going to be tough for Atlanta to move. Yeah, but, dude, like, I get that. Like, people always talk about contracts. But, like, dude, the league is the league. The cap, the cap is going to continue to go. You can finagle those numbers. No, that's actually wrong. Want. That's like, actually wrong. You're wrong. The cap's not going anywhere next year. Uh, uh, maybe not next year, but in two years it will. Like, two years it'll be fine. Oh, you're saying they'll just offset. They'll say, hey, we'll offset this. Yeah, too. they'll figure all that out and – so you think it's all just fairy tale numbers out there, Fugazi, just no, keep them on a ride. No, I fairy tale numbers, but I think, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, like good cap people will move numbers. Dude, the Saints are negative seventy-seven million next year. No one, no one cares about that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, what do you got, Dix? Dan, am I crazy to think that the, the Bills are going to definitely beat the Chiefs in the playoffs? Hey, your Josh Allen call, dude. Your Josh Allen call wow. early in the year, unbelievable. Yeah. 
the way he's been Thanks, playing. Thanks, man. Yeah, no Thanks, problem. Man. You also, saw Baker Mayfield, by the way. Um, well, but I swung and missed yeah. on Philip Rivers. Um, oh, well, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I was on his train last year. So yeah. don't, who are you fucking talking to, pal? There's actually an entire <laughs> moment between Rex Ryan, that one public, and it was just me sitting right, literally right next to him as that was happening. So I don't need to hear that. I think you're crazy to say that the Bills will definitely beat the Chiefs. I don't see the Chiefs losing a meaningful game this year. Yeah, and I, I think I think the Bills are the only team that can do it. Why? They have to play their A game, and the Chiefs would have to play Why? their C game. Why like, can the Bills do it? Nobody else can. Um, I think like there's a very specific way you got to do it. One, you have to be able to be explosive on offense. Like you got to throw haymaker for haymaker. You know the Chiefs are going to get theirs. You have to be explosive on offense. The Bills can do that with Josh Allen. Two, you have to be able to try to like own as much of the clock as you can. Minimize the other team's possessions. Their short passing game supplements like the run game, but they'll own they'll own some of the clock. Three, you got to have a quarterback that can go above the X's and O's. Like Sometimes the defense just re- wins the reps, and they're like they, Josh Allen's doing that. Four, you got to have people who can beat man coverage. The Chiefs are going to play man coverage up in your face. There's a guy named Stephon Diggs that is absolutely wearing people out in Buffalo. Wearing and five, them. your defense just... has got to have the ability to be opportunistic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they've got them. that. I don't think there's anyone else in the NFL that is built to be able to do that outside of Buffalo. Last question before we let you go. We can't thank you enough for your time. Looks like you're calling from a office room where you're probably getting ready for NFL Live, which is every single day at 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Mm -hmm. Time on ESPN. It's a really good show. Um, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yesterday, second half, they looked good. First half looked terrible. Is that team going to be able to pull it together, or what are your thoughts on them? Dude, they have to overcome coaching so much. Like, watch the first half. Their first half, they have absolutely zero plan for blitz. Like, dudes are just running free. They're trying to send centers from the middle and pick all the way out to blitzers. Tom Brady's getting hit. They're running – their details are not good in the first half. A.B.'s running a shallow crossing, runs in a straight line. He should know better than that. Second half, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you guys are going to blitz us. Cool. We'll throw perimeter screens. First down, first down. A.B. runs a shallow cross. He stair steps, crosses. Like, I don't understand. Like, Bruce Arians yesterday said, well, why can't our team play like that? That's my question. That's, that's like, that's the fans' question. Your job is to is have the, the solutions. Like, your job isn't to tell us what the problem is. And so, like, I feel like it's the same story with Tampa Bay. Like, their coaches feel – I feel like their coaches hold them back and their players dig them out. Well, hopefully they'll be able to dig him out on a nice long run because A.Q. Shipley deserves a damn Super Bowl ring. Uh, Is he okay? Yeah, he just had a – he called in earlier and talked shit, so he's all the way back. I didn't know he was calling in. uh, He had his spinal column was either pinched or something. He couldn't take another hit. So he's going to get into the coaching world, you know what I mean? But he's okay. Was it T1, T1, yeah. T2? Or? No, it was T1, T2. No. I, I was at T1, T2. Yeah. It was a, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Spinal stenosis. Spinal stenosis. Is that out? Is that a document or is that just what that is? That's what that is, a narrowing of the spinal column. Yeah, yeah. So I think he had a little bit of that or one more head it would have been. I'm glad to hear he's okay like as a like a life. Yeah, he's he was bummed because the news came to him quick. Like, hey, you're not going to be able to yeah. play football anymore. And he, he's a meathead, loves football. But I think since then he's been able to wrap his mind around potentially being a coach. He's enjoyed being a coach. But I don't think, he has, awesome. I don't think he has much say over there. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Orlovsky. Thank yeah. you, Dan. Yeah.
Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency, Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24/7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. Listen, we've talked about Simply Safe ad nauseum on here. Everyone in the office has it. We all love it. The alerts come straight to your phone. It's cloud-based. It's very easy to set up. Don't need to worry about any you know text coming into your house. If you need to pull a clip, it's very, very easy. All right there at your fingertips. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's super easy. Then Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24-7 and ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees, or installation costs. Right now, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/McAfee. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/McAfee for your free security camera today. That's s i m p l i s a f e dot com slash McAfee. Joining us now is a man who's forgot more about football than we've ever learned. Former general manager, consultant, uh, podcast host, live show host. Uh, author and maybe your next GM, ladies oh, and gentlemen, ooh. Michael Lombardi. Hey, I love that you're in a tracksuit. Most Italian thing you've done in some time now. What do you want to talk about today, brother? What's on your mind? Is Belichick potentially checked out? Worry you at all? Hey, too many men on the field. Don 10 in field goal range, takes a sack on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal. Earlier in the year, Hoyer got a sack right before half with no timeouts. What's going on? He's supposed to be our stalwart of situational football, and he's even – what's going on, Paisan? Oh, you know, disappointing, I thought for sure. And then, you know, add the fact that in the last two weeks they've given up 169 yards rushing, and then yesterday 240. I mean, they haven't played great run defense, so – I think in this era, in this year, there's a lot for him to reflect on and have to fix. I thought for sure he'd kick that before the two-minute warning to give himself a chance like Matt Rule did on Saturday night. So, you know, those are mistakes that I think you have to overcome. He'll certainly advise them. He'll look over them and he'll make those changes. But I want to know this. After watching that game last night and thinking that the Giants would cover – when did turning? When did three points become a bad thing? Oh, dude, Joe Judge left twelve points on the board. Right now, granted, kicker was open. It was kicker was open. Now, anytime you run a fake where you have the snapper eligible, you always think it's going to fuck with the defense because they, you know, you always count, look outside. It's always like a deception thing, and that in theory is good. But they ran it where there was a, clunk, a chunk of people. Gano runs a little post there uh, or, or a little slant. He's cool. wide open. Riley spins that thing. Would have been awesome. But other than that, they were going for it a lot. Just kick the goddamn field goal, Pison. Like, why not take the points? Like, what happened to the points? And then the other thing is, I got screwed on the. Uh, you know, that spot in the Atlanta game, you won that, I think, right? No, no, no. I did not because I was on the Chiefs side of that thing. They're definitely kicking a field goal there. I know Moose Johnson is in the booth saying they're probably not going to kick a field goal to go up eight with less than 50 seconds left and the other team having no timeout. They're kicking the fucking field goal there. We're all dancing, Mike. We're all dancing. But instead, we got a ref that actually takes the ball 
and slides it like this on the ground. And then how does that happen? Mike, you've been a GM. How does that happen? Who's telling these people to do it? I have no idea. And then, of course, naturally on Twitter today, I get, oh, Lombardi, you're a genius, 0 for 4. Well, I mean, I was 0 for You know, the eagle field goal, the eagle holder couldn't hold a goddamn snap. I got a pass spot here. And then Joe Judge is over here at your side. He don't like three points. I mean, what do you want me to do? I'm sorry I didn't know that was going to happen. I apologize. Hey, that spot, that thing was unbelievable. <laughs> Because the guy, you actually see the footage of the slide of the I, ball. No, I mean, it, it, when somebody was sleeping in the review booth because I, it was even. Uh, listen, I'm not going to talk about the review booth, okay? I've moved past this. Alberto Riveron and I, I feel like, have got back on mended, mended uh, terms here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But how did they fucking miss it? I know the yellow line. I know the yellow line isn't official or whatever. He was three quarters of a yard yeah. short, and it then. Pat, it wasn't even close. In fact, I think that Arians had already said the headset kick it. <sighs> that's us covering right there, too. Oh. Hey, that's us covering, too, right there. It would have been like, what, a 30-yarder or something, like a 25-yarder. Uh, it was a gimme putt. <laughs> Charlie Woods, by the way. One that I thought was interesting. So the Eagles have fourth and 21 from the, from the Cardinal 22, with, and they have all their timeouts. If they the hey, analytics man. always tell you you got to go for the win, right? That's what the analytics says. Remember when you're down two, you go for the win so you could do it. Why would the Eagles kick the field goal there to get three? Now you're still down four. You get the ball back, you win the game with a touchdown. You know, it. my big thing about them was they threw two Hail Marys back to back to end that thing. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a lot of decisions being made out here that. It, that spot, though, like because the Jets' win is so awesome. You know, I'm so happy for the players, the coaches. The fans have to be so upset. The owner has to be so upset. I bet you there was tears cried <laughs> last night by some members of the Jets organization and their fans. And I apologize. I was in a situation. We were so happy to win. It was awesome. But everybody else was miserable. So that kind of stole the storyline. But that spot, absolute <laughs> bullshit. We cannot let that slide, Bison. No, I mean, that's what happens to you. That's why... You- it's that it, you have to be more concerned about your process than you do whether the result because the results can take a turn like that. You can't control the variables that you're faced with on betting. That's why 57, 58, 59 percent. You're doing really good. Paisan, let's talk about some GM jobs that are opening up. The Panthers job just opened up, and the owner came out and said, I am definitely going to talk to Matt Rule about who he likes. That should be a good relationship, which, by the way, is smart, especially because you've already committed to Matt Rule for the next seven years. I think by all accounts, everybody thinks that the Panthers are heading in the right direction without Christian McCaffrey all year. They've been able to play good football. Teddy Two Gloves has been playing uh, well. I think that franchise is going good. What do you think Matt Rule says here? Who's the type of guy he's looking for is he looking for Michael Lombardi? Oh, is that who Matt Rule is? No, looking? Michael Lombardi's in retirement. Michael Lombardi's son coaches down there, which I'm very happy and proud of him. Uh, I think Matt Rule needs somebody that he understands the game philosophically with. He's got Patrick Stewart, who he's friends with, known him a long time. He's from Columbus. Pat was with us up in New England. He'll do a good job for him. I think you know Ed Dodds from Indianapolis would be a great choice for him. I think he. I think. He needs somebody that he can share the philosophical understanding of where they're going and how to get there and how to rebuild the team. Matt's a really good head coach. And the fact that they've been in seven games down to the wire. I mean, 
I, I promise you, whoever plays Kansas City in a playoff game will study the Carolina playoff game. Will study the Carolina Kansas City game. That's the way to play them. That's the way you got to beat them. And Matt, I came up with that. So I think it's a good job. I love Matt to death. I do. I love Matt to death, and I, I'll help Matt in any way possible. Although I, I enjoy talking to you guys too much. No, today. no, you can still talk to us while you're running a team, pal. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. By the way, that would be awesome. You trying to deflect anything I'm asking for any information would actually kind of be fun, but also probably distracting for you doing your gig. It's a shame you're not going to take that job. Let's pivot around the NFL a little bit here. The Green Bay Packers, first half awesome, second half terrible. What do you think is going to happen to the Packers going forward? How should we feel about them? You know, I mean, I don't know what to feel with them. And I, I, I thought they were always in control of that game the other night. That's even two weeks in a row, cover. by the way. That's two Thank weeks you, in Matt Rule, for selecting to get those three points for us right there. Thank you very much. Uh, but I, I, I felt like they were in control. I don't know what's going on. This is, to me, Aaron gets the run come in from LaFleur, and then he runs a lot of eye contact. I don't know if he didn't like the game plan, if he didn't like the run. But they didn't seem like they were in rhythm at all in the second half from the play call to the execution. And if that happens, you know, that's going to be troublesome. But, but look, they're so, he's so good and they're so talented with Jones and, and, and uh, Devontae Adams. I think playing up there in the cold that they're used to playing, I still think that's a tough environment to go into. You know, it's a game that they got through. This week we'll see how Tennessee will be a challenge for their run defense. How they fit in the run game, what they do. Oh. That line opened at four. It's already down to three and a half. Oh, so, no. I think, I think, but here's the thing they can win this game just with their offense alone because Tennessee's defense is not very good and Aaron can control the game. Well, that's how they're going to have to win basically every game. Now, the defense right. has shown up and made a couple plays, but it feels like that's how the package is going to have to be. That's why you would think that they would potentially address that in the offseason. They didn't, but let's move on. Uh, in the NFC as well, the Saints, hey, I don't know. Listen, I know he threw a 50-yard deep ball, and uh, a lot of people kind of rubbed that in my face yesterday, but there was a lot of floating balls yesterday late. Oh. And in the playoffs, if you're going to play the playoffs, in the playoffs, playoffs, if you play against some good defenders, and I'm not saying they didn't yesterday, okay? The Chiefs have Tyron Matthew, who's an absolute monster, and there's other people. But some of those floaters – those will, those will get you beat. Those games will get you beat. Is Drew Brees done, you think? In a dome. Yeah, exactly. If he goes to Green Bay with his arm, I mean, look, you could say, look, I, we all think Drew Brees is great. I love Drew Brees. He's going to go in the Hall of Fame. Ty hates him, but we all agree that is the case. Good football player. We're, we, we, I mean, we're evaluating what we see. And for anybody to come on national TV and say he doesn't have an arm strength problem is lying. They're okay. just lying national. to you. Yeah. The proof's in the pudding. <laughs> and he can't throw it. And he came out yesterday. If I were to tell you before the game, the Saints had the ball 18 minutes. The Chiefs ran 92 plays. The Saints were two for 11 or one for 11 on third down. You know the Saints had uh, the Saints couldn't couldn't move the football at all, right? You would have said, well, they lost by two, by three touchdowns. The longest play of the day for the Kansas City Chiefs was a 24 yard run by Mahomes. The longest pass play was 23 yards by two players, Watkins and Robinson. I mean, the Saints played him as well as you can. They played a doubleheader. They played a doubleheader. 92 plays on offense that the Saints had to play against. And they held them to what to 32 points or 30, you know, whatever it was. I mean, that's remarkable. They got no help from their offense. So you're saying just because the way the Saints' defense is playing, now they had a bad week against the Eagles. 
Uh, now, granted, bad week. They only held him like 17 points. And so now Jalen Hurts is succeeding against other people. So maybe they didn't have that bad of a week. Maybe we overreacted. But, hey, it's overreaction Monday. Yeah. You're supposed oh, yeah. to do that. You think the Saints defense still is in play for them to make a run in the playoffs because you look around the NFC, you're not seeing a lot of people that have just a stacked defense that's going to be able to win them games. That's why I thought the Saints had a, quite an advantage with that crew that they had. They did, and they, you know, they forced, they forced, I think, 16 third, 18 third downs in this game. You, so when you force 18 third downs, that's almost way more than you should. That means you're not making any big plays, the offense is. And yet the Chiefs were 9 for 18 on third down. They were 9 for 18 on third, that's 50%. And they kept the ball for 41 minutes. The Saints had the ball 18 minutes, and yet they're in there for a field goal game, and the Saints do what they typically always do, I mean, the Chiefs. They ran the game out with their offense. I mean, when you look at the scores the last seven weeks, they've all been under five points, six points, three. They win close games when they really aren't close. This was the only one that they that were in control, but the game was close. Yeah, it did. They never covered, it feels like. The, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had a good half. I don't know what it is about Matt Ryan. But for some reason, when he's up a lot on Tom Brady, it is it is troublesome for that guy. They were up 17, 24-7 at one point. And then in the second half, that Buccaneers team looked like a different team, both offensively and defensively, which is going to be a big deal in the playoffs. How do you feel about the Bucs? You think how far you think they're going to be able to figure this thing out? I, I don't know. I mean, look, here's what I don't understand. You're up all those points, and at the end of the day, you have 13 rushing attempts. Like, how does Atlanta have 13 rushing attempts? Matt Ryan had one of those 13 carries. Like, when you're up that much, you've got to be able to run the football, to take, to take time off the clock, to pace the game. You can't do that. You know, and, and this team's got too many weapons offensively, and you're not good enough defensively to be able to hand there and go at, and to keep having these at-bats. I, I think that Tampa got very fortunate because Atlanta just didn't have a game plan to really play complementary football. And when you think about it, they're going to play a team in the playoffs that will understand that. I, I think Tampa's one and done. I know they got great weapons. Ah. I just don't see them turning it on. Yeah, it's been kind of sad, isn't it? You know? Because how many weapons they have, how that defense looked last year at the beginning of the year, towards the end of the year, with, you know, bringing in Tom and, you know, Gronk coming out of retirement and then A.B. getting another opportunity and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Fournette goes down there after getting cut. And then he's still got Rojo and Shady McCoy's on the squad. He's got oh, 13,000 yards in his career. You start thinking about that thing. There was a lot of high hopes. Just never been able to really bring it together. Never. The second half, they looked unbelievable. But that, I feel like what Lombardi's saying is that's more on Atlanta than it is on Tampa. He's never been able to bring it together. What the fuck? That's going to be frustrating, I think, for people to talk about for a while. I think it is. I mean, you know, they scored 21 points. They scored 31 in the second half. And, I mean, Atlanta scored 10. You know, Atlanta didn't do anything in the second half to pace the game, to slow it down. I don't think football fans really understand to win the playoff, you've got to play a certain pace. You're not going to play New Orleans or, or Green Bay in a you know, pace that's conducive to them. And this game, when Atlanta went at halftime, to me it was, hey, we got to get yards on first down. we got to work this clock. We've got to make sure we convert third downs. We've got to pace the game because they're dangerous. They're dangerous. We've got to cut this game to where the opponent becomes the clock, not the other team, and they never did that. When it's 21, it's, after it became – when they scored 21 in the third, you knew they were going to, and I thought for sure they would cover for us, 
until the spot. The poor Texans were 40 seconds and four yards away from being 2-0 against the Colts this year. Instead, they're 0-2 against Colts with two very untimely like fumbles. Big play by Darius Leonard punching that out a couple weeks ago. Uh, something with the quarterback snap, the shotgun snap is dropped. But the Colts, even though they've struggled to beat the Texans, divisional game, always going to be tough. The Col- I feel good about the Colts and where they're going. Mm-hmm. Now I sh- I don't think I should with the game yesterday. They could have lost to the Texans yesterday, which they, everybody I mean, would have lost twice to the Texans. I mean, they had the ball twice inside the five, like you said. I mean, and they did. Deshaun Watson's great. And that offensive line, if they don't fix that line for as much as they put into Tunzel and all these other guys, they got Houston's got to fix their offensive line. To hell but, with Houston, though. They're, that conversation's in the offseason because they're dead. The Colts, though, how do you feel about the Colts going into the playoffs? I feel good about them, even though what I just said about the two untimely fumbles, they have two losses in the last three weeks if that actually ends up going their way. But because it is going their way, it almost makes me believe in them more. Like, they're getting the bounces, they seem to be healthy, all that type of shit. Well, I mean, I think they're doing a good job, too, putting Brissett in there on that third and one. I think they could really be more explosive if they left Brissett on the field. And if they left Brissett on the field, say they go with Brissett gives them a little bit of a help on third and one, especially since he won't sneak it. And let's face it, I've been critical of Phillip all year. He's playing much better, much better. And I think that's part of why you have some faith in what they're doing. And they're doing it with different receivers. I mean, Pascal was the leading guy yesterday, and they can run the football. Hines average date six a carry but I, I think with the Colts when they put Brissett out there on those third and ones and then eventually what I would do if I were them I would I would keep Brissett on the field and keep them in their short yardage defense and then start throwing the ball from there hey that's not a bad little change up there I, I've always said this and this is kind of similar but not really anytime we ran a fake uh punt if we had success, I wanted us to put in a hurry-up the next play. So, like, I throw a pass. It gets the first down. Let's run a hurry-up, okay? We got them on their field still on their punt. They got their punt block team still in there. So, instead, right. let's put wide receivers at Gunner here. Let's run a hurry-up. If they sub too many men, we got a free play. Anything like that, we can take advantage of it. Like, I, I pitched that for, like, four years. I'm like, yo, let's let's take advantage of them having their punt return team. And it's always like, Pat, listen, we got new guys coming in every single week. What are we supposed to tell them? To run a fucking hurry up offense. <laughs> if we run, I'm like, okay, I get it, Chuck. I understand that. But with Jacoby Brissett, with the sh- short yardage in there, because what he's on, if you get Ty, who's getting really hot right now, who has a lot of speed, if you have him and a tight end that can go out in a two man release, there, you're taking advantage of them being in a bad situation for what you got. That's brilliant. Right. I would assume yeah. that you're going to do. And I think it gives them a whole weapon. Plus, this Brissett thing gives them something in the red zone, which is what they're going to need. I think the Colts are a tough out. The Colts will play Kansas City tough because they can control the ball with their run game. And plus, I think Wright understands how to attack Spagnola. Not that Sean Payton did, but I think Wright will attack Spagnola. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Did you see that fan base showing up for them at the airport? That was awesome. That team is hot right now. Yeah, and they're they're a threat. I mean, look, the way Josh Allen has been remarkable. I didn't think he could overcome the lack of accuracy. I really didn't. He has done that. And where he's really been sensational is when he throws the ball between 1 and 10 yards. He's 74% accurate on those throws. And that's not what he was coming out of college. He's really improved his short accuracy. And that's made all the difference. Plus, he's hard to tackle. And I think Dayball's done a really good job of making Cole Beasley – another running back in the game. He's given him an outlet to throw the ball to. The guy's second on the team in receptions, averages 12 yards a catch. I think they've done a nice job scheming around Josh Allen, taking what he does really well, and utilizing that skill set. They're a good team. 
they played buff they played Kansas City held them in the 20s they couldn't move the ball in that game that was the problem before the boys they have questions for you we can't thank you enough for your time by the way I know you're a busy man you got more jobs than me somehow you're awesome too (laughs) wealth of knowledge we're talking to Michael Lombardi former general manager and coaching consultant and author and all this shit he he lives in uh he lives in jersey right on the beach what is it what's the town ocean city new jersey called ocean city new jersey okay a lot of italians over there paisan found his way over there they're sitting amongst all the italians over there but it's very close to the philadelphia eagles i would assume there's a lot of eagles fans over there there is a situation a brewing in every single game that passes that jalen hurts plays the way he plays he's only making it more and more uncomfortable we had orlovsky on earlier and orlovsky basically hinted at saying he was hearing things and then is his confidence shook does Carson Wentz even want to play football anymore doesn't think he'll ever be a backup there he's been listed as a backup yet again for a third straight week officially as of like 10 minutes ago 15 minutes ago for Doug Peterson announced Jalen Hurts as a starter how does this end this whole situation Carson's going to be a tough trade Jalen's only going to play better allegedly they can't coexist how do you see this thing going if you were GM what would you do well I would figure out what how I can solve this Carson Wentz problem because I'm not ready to give up on Wentz. I thought that 2017, for as good as Hurts is playing now, his Wentz's 2017 season was really good, and it was MVP-ish good. And I and I think something's broke. I mean, yesterday, the Eagles' best player is Miles Sanders. He had 12 carries in the first half, okay, and he had one reception for 25 yards. In the second half in a one-score game, Miles Sanders got the ball five times. Five times. And Wentz has paid a price for this lack of being able to have some balance in what they do. They call way too many passes. And Wentz is beat up. Wentz is eye levels down. Hurts, on the other hand, is eye levels up. He's a young, fresh puppy. He's playing in the yard, man. He's having fun. But eventually, he's going to take too many hits. And he's going to be hurting. And he's going to end up like Wentz, where he's going to be having a hard time looking down the field because he's going to get hit too much. And I think that's the risk. And if I were the GM in Philly, I would try to solve the Wentz problem. Why do I have to get rid of Hurts? I got three more years left of Hurts under contract. I'll let let him keep playing good. Somebody's liable to offer me two number ones for the guy. What do I know? But I got to fix Wentz. That's my number one objective because Wentz took us to a Super Bowl. What are you going to do? Are you going to bring that uh, Wimhoff guy from Wimhoff? Are you going to bring the Wimhoff method guy? The guy (laughs) over in the ice? Like, what are you doing? I think Jeff Laurie has to ask himself this question. Can Doug Peterson fix Wentz? And if the answer to that is no, then he has to go find himself another coach. If the answer is yes, then he's got to make sure he has a plan for how he's going to fix him. But right now, Doug doesn't even announce who the starter is after the game. I mean, you watched that Arizona game. Did you have any doubt Jalen Hurts was going to be the starter the next week? No, the whole world did. I was wondering if it was potentially just to appease Carson Wentz. I mean, I think Wentz has got a wall. I think Wentz has gotten a bad deal in this because the team never has done anything to help him. See, I mean, now, really now listen. To help him that's in interesting. Because you're within the Eagles fan base, right? In the yeah. Eagles players, it felt like the Eagles players and their diehard fans who are Wentz fans all feel this way. And outside of the world, like, for instance, where I'm coming from, I'm like, I, I don't want Wentz here in Indy. Like, I, like, for me, looking from the outside, it's like Jalen Hurts is the answer. Try to move on from Wentz. But from the inside, it sounds like Eagles fans and who have much more knowledge on the situation, you guys are like, well, Wentz is kind of getting screwed here in this entire – it's very interesting. It's an interesting situation. I mean, Wentz, is, they've done nothing to help Wentz in terms of – now, Wentz turns the ball over too much. Wentz has got to take responsibility. 
but they've never had a they've never had an identity as an offense. And because Hertz can run a little bit, they've gotten a little bit of an identity with his movement and his ability to make loose plays in the pocket. But in all fairness, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Wentz is sitting there and he's wondering, like, what happened? Why did people abandon me? I mean, this offensive line's a mess. You won't give the ball to the best. The best the guys had the biggest plays on the team is Miles Sanders. Hey. He touches the ball five times in the second half. I mean, that's the problem with Kamara. Kamara had 11 touches. He had three catches 14 times. If you're going to beat the Saints, Kamara's got to have the ball 30 times one way, catching or pass, catching and running. Kamara's unbelievable at football. He's a lot of fun to watch. What do you got, Tiggs? Uh, hey, Mike, don't look now, but but your guy, MVP Mitch, is only one game out of the playoff spot. What do you think about the Bears? Yes, I know. It's so good, isn't Fair it? Time. I'm not buying it, Tone. I'm not buying whoa, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nope, nope. What are you talking nope. about? Oh, you got his Mitch jersey on. <laughs> what do you mean? It's one or two. I got two of them. Love it. You got the home and away, huh? Oh, yeah. Alternate on so, the way. I, this week, Jacksonville, that'll be a nice week for him again. Uh, but I, Green Bay, now, if Green Bay has something to play for, right, you know, that'll be the interesting game. What, what happens to that? That's the other game, I think. It's interesting. If Indy doesn't have anything to play for, oh, yeah. when Jacksonville comes to town in the last game, do you think Indy lays down to let the Jets get the first oh, pick overall ooh. in the draft? Hey, so the Pats, the the Pats have the same move to make at the last play or last game of the year because the Jets got Browns, then they got Patriots. Patriots already ruled out. Does Bill Belichick go back to his old big brain ways that he's he's had for a long time until as of late and go? Hey, listen, boys. Uh, uh, we're not on to the Jets. We're on to the offseason. And uh, the Jets, <laughs> imagine if he says that. That would be both teams. Now, I don't think that'll happen. I don't think that's going to happen with uh, uh, Green Bay. Green Bay's going to have to hold on to if, if Green Bay has nothing to play for, then the Bears will be 9-7 and seven and get in. If they have something to play for, I don't see how the Bears win that game. Uh, what do you got, but Connor? I, I will say this. At least Nagy's trying to run the football now, and he's got some balance to help the What's quarterback. Bill, the last right? three weeks, they've run the ball really effectively. Bill? Laser, Bill Laser. That's who you're saying that is. I don't. I have not paid attention. I thought you guys were out of the. Playoffs. He's not calling the plays anymore, Nagy. Yeah, I thought you guys were out of the playoffs ten weeks ago. No, <laughs> come yeah, on. Yeah, when you guys were five, four, and one or whatever, I thought this team's out of the playoffs. What do you got, Connor? Yeah, Mike. Uh, there's a lot of conversation on who's going to be the quarterback for the Colts next year. Is there any chance Phil Rivers or Jacoby Brissett come back? Well, I mean, just listening to Frank Wright, I think that he thinks Philip Rivers could come back. I don't know about Brissett, but I definitely think he has endorsed Rivers to think he can play longer. And I think the question mark is, who do they get if they don't have Rivers? Who do they get if they don't bring Brissett Matty back? Stafford. Hey. Matty Stafford. Go get him. They know who Brissett is, so I don't think that's the issue. Aaron Rodgers, go <laughs> get him. They know, who Sta- they know who Rivers is, and I think it all comes down to Ballard saying, okay – I can get this guy. I could trade for that guy. You know, Matt Stafford or Sam Donald. Who can I trade for that's better than what I have? Lombardi, you've been a part of some big trades because you're a general manager in the NFL, obviously. How does that conversation even happen? For instance, let's say we did want Aaron Rodgers, okay? Aaron Rodgers has never said anything about this. The Green Bay Packers haven't. What would Ballard? Ballard would call Gunther Kuntz and he'd say, hey, I know you're probably not interested, but what would it take to get air? Is that how that conversation goes? But if you're the one asking, the other person has all the leverage then, which I guess the Green Bay Packers would know to begin with. How's that he work? He has all the leverage anyway. You just make the phone call. Say, hey, look, if you, if you call Detroit whenever they get a new GM. Hey, look, congratulations on the job. 
I know you got a lot of things you want to do. If you're ever interested in trading the quarterback, we would definitely be in play. Would be a we'd have a strong interest and leave it at that. And then he'll you call know, back. He'll call back and say, "Hey, were you? We're thinking this, this." And you go, "Well, that's crazy. We're not doing that." Is that how that goes, or is it like no, how we how we think it goes? I mean, you have some some historical data to a trade of a quarterback, you know. So you could say, "Okay, I want five number ones." Well, your answer back to that was, "Well, I, I, what team has ever paid five number ones for a quarterback?" I mean, I'll look it up. I'll be happy to see it, but I have never seen this. Like, if we want to talk serious, let's talk serious. I mean, we know it's going to take some significant capital, but five number ones you're asking is too much. I would love to see the text message exchanges. Oh. There's probably screenshot of text messages and conversations that are just awesome. Mike, we got to get the hell out of here. We can't thank you enough. We'll see you at Hammer Don. At- see you later. Hammer down. Yeah. Talk to you. See ya. He's going to hang up very quickly. Welcome back to the show. AJ Hawk is here. Joining us now, ESPN Insider uh, and also a fantasy football host on their show. Uh, And he has a bunch of other stuff I'm supposed to plug probably, but I don't know right now. So we'll talk to him about it whenever he joins us. Ladies and gentlemen, Field Yates. That was pretty good right there, Pat. Honestly, sometimes we all lose track. of. It's just like you're a man who's all over the map here. I probably don't do a good enough job of keeping track of all the things that you are doing these days. So consider it even, my friend. Well, it's very nice of you. And I will say, it looks like you've been doing some shrugs. Look like you got the traps up a little oh, bit. Yeah. Are you thinking about headbutting some people or what? You guys have inspired me a little bit. You know, it is a uh, bulking season right now. So I've been getting after a little, mm-hmm. bit. Just a little Fe- bit. Field goes from milk and cookies in high school every day <laughs> to don't even try to get by me or I will trap you type looks on ESPN <laughs> as an insider. I cannot wait to see where you go next field. Let's dive right into it um you talk first of all happy birthday adam schefter i learned that from your twitter account by the way shout out to you let's get right into it jets jaguars situation the jets sam darnold seem to be playing for his career is he going to be the quarterback going forward now that they're not going to have the number one pick now granted this could all change there's still two weeks to do this thing but let's act as if the jaguars have the number one pick they're going to take trevor lawrence what happens with the jets what happens with sam darnold and was yesterday the most demoralizing win in the history of the nfl a la what dan orlovsky titled it earlier yeah i would say i've actually thought about this a lot recently not because i was expecting the jets to beat the rams but i'm sure you guys saw the video of jason kelsey uh, the Eagles center, who's a gem in every sense of the word. And he had this impassioned plea about how there really is no place in the NFL for tanking. And part of his argument was that, you know, one draft pick doesn't win you a Super Bowl. One draft pick can be the first step towards getting you on your way to a Super Bowl. But there are a lot of other layers involved, a culture that has to be built. Winning has to become a habit. And I got to tell you, when I listen to him say those words, it made me think longer and harder about whether going 0-16 for the Jets, even if it would result in Trevor Lawrence, could do some like irreparable harm to the compete level of guys that are in that locker room right now, some of which will be a part of the Jets' rebuilding some, efforts some. going forward. Some. That being said... Are you are you in disagreement here? No, I'm saying with what you're saying, I like that speech as well about the winning culture. And I was on the last team that didn't get their first win until this week or whatever. And Andrew Luck was sitting on stage and there's rumors of people crying in the organization executive level because we potentially lost out on luck. But whenever you're talking about building a winning culture and everything like that, the turnover from this year to next year for that Jets team is going to be vast. I mean, that is going to be a massive one. I don't know if you know yeah. what I mean. I don't know. 
No, no, it's fair. And and to be honest, so you might have you you have a, the other side of the perspective that like you were one of those players that lived through it. You lived through the difficult times, awesome. and obviously the upside was the moment Andrew Luck became your quarterback. What was it like five straight seasons of at least ten wins when Andrew was healthy? So you reaped the benefits in a major way. Uh, it's interesting to think that yesterday may well have contributed to Sam Darnold's job security because. Uh, if the Jets had the first overall pick in the upcoming draft, I just think from a business standpoint, and I, I mean football business, not just like putting butts in seats, but like football business, he's too valuable of a commodity that even if you like Sam Darnold, you have to take Trevor Lawrence first overall. And if that means trading Sam Darnold and maybe at less than whatever his peak value would be, that's okay because Trevor Lawrence is that special. But I, I don't know exactly where NFL evaluators will land on Justin Fields. Um, but it does feel like there's a gap right now. I think that's pretty obvious. And Justin Fields has been incredible for Ohio State and is basically two full years as the starter. He's also in the biggest games, not had his best game. So it's, it's, it's strange to think that one game should not really be the determinant of to whether you want to keep Sam Darnold or any player as your quarterback going forward. But that could be the net result of yesterday because if the Jets wind up with the second pick, Maybe they'll get a trade offer for someone to move up. But if they're sitting there at pick two and the opportunity is take Justin Fields to compete with Sam Darnold, probably beat him out right away uh, because he's the number two overall pick, or maybe draft Oregon left tackle Penny Sewell. Uh, or I know you just took a, fir a first-round left tackle last year, but a player that's not a quarterback that's outstanding, you may say to yourself, we're going to do that. We're going to build this roster around Sam Darnold instead. Field, what about the head coach Adam Gase? Where is where is he going to be next year? Does, does he have a coordinator job in the league? Like, what's going to happen? He's got to be golfing, right? Yeah, I was going to say. I figure uh, if you're Adam Gase, you're probably taking best available. And best available could be nothing, like and playing golf and making the money you're still owed from the Jets. I, I think it's probably a year or two left on that contract he signed with the Jets initially. You know, quarter, quarter, uh, coordinator job makes sense. They're also the assistant head coach roles, offensive analyst roles. If guys want to be in the league uh, as, on the coaching level, it seems like a lot of uh, coaches, uh, fired head coaches specifically, if they want to be in the league, they'll probably find a role. You know, it can't be guaranteed to be a great role in terms of power and influence, but usually they can find something and then – you know, they just have to make the decision. Like, is there something better which does not involve working in football for a year? And we've seen this recently. We've seen coaches be away from the game for a year and in some ways increase their value or reestablish it, whether it's, it's it was a good decision by the teams that hire them or not. But, like, Mike McCarthy spent a year away from football, you know, went and studied analytics and all that. Yeah, he did every day. He's a Cowboys head coach. Yeah, and, and we can debate the merits of that, obviously, now. <laughs> the Cowboys have been terrible. Um and then same thing, though, I, I think Marvin Lewis is a coach uh, that maybe will be amongst the names mentioned for however many vacancies we have. Uh, we've already heard it uh, a little bit. And Marvin Lewis, uh, a guy who's obviously been away from the game at the professional level for a couple of years, uh, has sort of reestablished his value because as frustrating as it was for the Bengals at the end of his tenure, uh, anybody who's old enough to remember what the Bengals were like before Marvin Lewis would tell you that like they would take – the stability uh, and the consistent appearances in the playoff that Marvin Lewis coached them to during that long tenure of his 16 years in total. Okay, let's talk about the Buccaneers. Let's say that they don't 
go on this magical run and win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're not. Okay, I got attacked for even asking if they stink on the internet yesterday, and I got a, a coach slash player of their team called in today to tell me to go to hell, basically. Uh, but if they don't accomplish what everybody thought was potentially out there for them, I mean, that roster is loaded. I mean, it's absolutely loaded, that roster. You got Tom Brady in there. Do you think Bruce Arians is the coach next year still if they don't go on a run? Or what do you think is the situation in Tampa next year if they don't win a Super Bowl this year or don't even make the NFC Championship this year? Yeah, my, my belief is Bruce Arians will be the coach next year. I don't have any reason not to believe that. But I, I also would think that we all understand the dynamic that's different about the Bucks this season compared to every other team. When in recent NFL history has there been a situation where a team hired a coach, or I guess not hired a coach, but made a significant decision at head coach or quarterback, and within a year, immediately there was talk about the need to potentially change things if you don't reach the Super Bowl right away. And I think the only huh. analog we have for this is probably Peyton Manning signing with the Broncos, right? Yeah. And uh, he did obviously go to the Super Bowl with John Fox as the head coach. But as we know, John Fox was not the head coach. He got ousted uh, after that. And they ended up going to Gary Kubiak, who led them to a Super Bowl eventually with Peyton Manning and obviously that great defense out there in Denver. So I, I just mentioned that only because we, we're all, we all know how this business works, right? And the Bucks didn't sign Tom Brady as the beginning portion of a five-year plan. They signed Tom Brady because they wanted to win right away. And the minute you sign the greatest quarterback of all time, the immediate expectation, the bar you have to clear, is win the Super Bowl. And if, if Bucks fans want to tell me or tell any of us that's unfair, like that's what you signed up for. And Pat, I get what you're saying yesterday when you know they say they stink. Like I know you're not saying they're like a terrible team, <laughs> but this is a team. Wasn't the uh, all offseason? Didn't we just talk about how Tom Brady goes from? Very average group of, I mean, below average group of pass catchers last year to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk after a year away, eventually Antonio Brown. And like, when does this offense smash the easy button? You know, like it always feels like every time they score points, it's almost like you breathe a sigh of relief because you're like, ah, it should be that easy. But it rarely is. So the Bucks are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, they're not going to be a team anybody wants to face because they have Tom Brady. But I think they probably, if if they got some truth serum in them, would also tell you, like, this has not been as smooth of sailing as a lot of people anticipated this year. Hey, what about Josh McDaniels? Is he still going to be like a hot oh. commodity? Yeah, I know the Patriots are dead. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. But is he still one of those guys? I've always laughed at when coordinators go from top candidates one year to off the radar the next year. Like, if Josh McDaniels has been considered a really good head coaching candidate for the past few off seasons. And I understand that obviously he left the Colts at the altar, but I'm talking about. Even oh since, yeah. They had press the conferences already set up. That's right. Um, but like, so speaking of Indy, like a couple of years ago, Matt Eberflus, their defensive coordinator was considered a top candidate for coaching jobs. Now timing kind of got in the way. And then last year, no one said a thing about him. Why? Like he, did he become a less great coach? My answer is no. And like, I think the guy, I think Eberflus will be right back in the head coaching uh, carousel this offseason. Heck, their offensive quarter, Nick Sirianni, might be as well. I always think to myself, like, nothing really has changed. Like, the guy is the same coach he was a couple of years ago when we considered him a really good candidate. So I think if people thought highly of Josh McDaniels two offseasons ago and last offseason, I think his name will be in the mix. We also know that although it's general managers 
making some of these decisions. We also know that ownership is involved in a lot of these decisions. And I do believe that, you know, owners are particularly impressionable, right? I mean, they see the internet, they watch, you know, a lot of NFL programming, you know, the Pat McAfee show and more, and they're, they're listening to what we do have one owner that does candidates, right? Like in uh, right now, if you were to do sort of an arbitrary Q score for Josh McDaniels and his sort of coaching cachet, it's lower than it was in previous years. My belief is that if you liked him, then you should like him now. Field in your world, though. In your world, though, Field, are you saying that it's those people's people that are pushing them to be the head coach? That's the only thing that, that makes be, a difference. Is that is that, that what would you, never happen? Would it? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So all these names that we hear up are coaches that are looking to potentially get out of where they're at, mm-hmm. get a head coaching gig. Sometimes maybe Iberflus is like happy with where he's at. He's like, you know what? Kind of enjoy this defense. Let's just chill for a couple of years. I know head coaching job's there. Keep my name out of it so his people don't push it. Because I would assume people like you have a lot of connects that potentially know a lot of these people that go, yeah. hey, this guy's getting some calls. And then as soon as you hear somebody's getting a call, you fire off a tweet that's like, there has been interest in blah, blah, blah to be a head coach. Is that yeah. how it all works? Is that why you think some of these names are in it than not in it? Like is McDaniels legitimately just waiting? until Bill Belichick rides off in the sunset, which was the rumor was to happen whenever he turned that plane around and the Colts already had it. He's like, well, the Patriots told him he's the next in line. Is that how yeah. it all plays out? Well, I would, so I, I don't know as much about the Josh McDaniels succession plan for Bill Belichick, but yeah, I mean, of course, this is, um, yeah, there is certainly an element of this business where it's, you got to have advocates, right? Yeah. And, you know, we, we get a lot of, we, I mean, I'll be the first to concede, right? Like there are people that I, have heard of that I've heard of spoken highly of, but like I haven't, I haven't spent time with them. So how can I sit there and vouch and say like, yeah, I know for certain that this coach is unquestionably, you know, a top qualified candidate to be a head coach. And we've also found in this industry that being a good coordinator is typically how we evaluate head coaching candidates. I also think there's a lot of proof that being a good coordinator rarely guarantees that you're a really good head coach as well. Um, you know, people thought that Matt LaFleur, his resume during his season as the Titans offensive coordinator was like not particularly strong relative to some of the other coaching candidates who were in the head coaching cycle that year. The guy has been unbelievably successful. And I know he has Aaron Rodgers, but there was a reason why Mike yeah. McCarthy was fired prior to yeah, hiring Matt LaFleur. Like, he had Aaron Rodgers, too, and they weren't succeeding. So um, I think sometimes we need to dig a little bit deeper on what the, the precise criteria should be for top head coaching candidates, other than just, like, well, yeah, he led a top five scoring offense or defense. Well, then you need to stop tweeting about everybody as if they're the next goddamn Lombardi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Field, with Zach Taylor, I mean, do the Bengals think he's, you know, the next Bill Walsh, or are they going to shit-can him after the season and find some guy who can actually get something out of Joe Burrow? That team well, stinks, we, dude. Yeah, yeah, they're very bad. And uh, so <laughs> the Bengals, unquestionably, uh, are loyal um, – they are a team that's going to be patient. We saw it with Marvin Lewis, obviously. I mean, 16 seasons. They do not like change. Uh, the Bengals run a very different shop than basically ever, than literally everybody else in the NFL. Their scouting department is a fraction of the size of every other scouting department in the NFL. Uh, they're a team that has uh, largely kind of stuck to the script, which is in most years avoiding free agency entirely. Uh, last year was a rare uh, exception where they spent a lot of money on guys, and some of them worked out better than others, but at least they spent. I think Zach Taylor's safe. Um, I think they're uh, probably the best case is that 
you know, last year, 2019, was a year with quarterback struggles aplenty. And 2020, it wasn't perfect with Joe Burrow, but they looked a lot more competitive when he was healthy and on the field. And I think the idea would be, you know, Joe and Zach are not attached at the hip oh, Please, no. Oh, Joe Burrow does not deserve that, dude. Come on. Now, it's going to get him killed. The idea would be... He's a dead man walking, Joe Burrow, with I Zach know. Taylor. What do you got, Connor? Vanderfield, yeah. do you see the Detroit Lions selling yeah, the team? Yeah, you do not call him Vanderfield with these new traps he's got, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, is it Capital Van? No, this, Van is, this is Mr. Field Yates. Mr. Vanderfield Yates, do you <laughs> see the Detroit Lions selling the team after they inevitably hired Jim Hart? Harbaugh and go 0 16 again. Wow. Yeah, I don't know about selling the team. Don't you feel like uh, no, I feel like it. ownership in the NFL so rarely switches hands, right? Um, you know, I know David Tepper bought the Panthers a couple of years ago. The Khan family bought Jaguars a handful of years ago. I don't have any information on that, but the Lions are going to be an interesting uh, head coach and GM hiring. Speaking of those head coaching and GM hiring decisions, I don't know about the ownership part, but I do think it's one of the most fascinating ones with the uh, head coach and GM side because. Um, Matthew Stafford is a stud. Very uh, good. He also is at the age now where oftentimes, as we know, GMs or head coaches that get hired, they want young. They want the quarterback who's on the rookie contract as opposed to a guy who's in his early 30s. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting decisions that a coach makes is whoever gets that job is the first order of business to make a decision on Matthew Stafford, try to do right by him and find a team that he can go and be the veteran quarterback for, or you keep trying to build around Matthew Stafford and just surround him with much better pieces. That a boy, Field. We appreciate you, man. Love following along at Field Yates on Twitter. That's it. That's it, man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. Yeah. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, ESPN NFL insider Field Yates. Thank you, Field. Trap Lord. So they're not <laughs> selling the team to San no, Antonio. Of course not. That's interesting. Not okay. yet. Hey, AJ, before this show ends, what do you what do you think uh, about tonight's game? Pittsburgh, Zach Taylor, Cincinnati. The last conversation we just had, we all alluded heavily to the thought of why is this guy still a head coach in the NFL? Seems to have zero success. They have a chance tonight to put the Steelers on a three game slide oh. here oh. towards the end of the season after winning eleven straight, AJ. I think it's the scariest game possible for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah, me too. The Steelers' defense should absolutely – they should, uh, you know, uh, whatever, TJ, JJ, TJ Watt. I get all the Watt brothers. Oh, no. TJ. no. Okay. Wow. Yeah, respect, TJ. you piece. There's no way that was real, Jeez. dude. He what could a... be the – no, I, oh, I, I got Hall. TJ and JJ mixed up. Obviously, <laughs> TJ is coming off the edge for the Steelers. That guy could be the defensive MVP, so he's going to have a monster night tonight is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not what you said. What you said dude. was, I don't even know the guy's name. That's unbelievable. You just no, said, I said, my name's AJ. There's a JJ. There's a TJ. I get it all mixed up. You play of, for the Bengals, What? Dude. TT that you think. <laughs> Uh, we talked to uh, Lauren Ice about that. He said, you got mush for brains. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> That's what he said. That's what he said. Uh-huh. Hey, he called that Rutgers under Friday night. It was a great game he called. Did he really? I didn't get a chance oh, yeah. to hear it. Incredible I'm, game. I'm a big James Laurinaitis fan, by the way. Yeah. I played 13 years in the NFL. Is that how long it was? 13 years? Eight. Eight. Oh, shit. Eight years in the NFL? Yeah, that. Yeah, but you factor in. Ohio State. I mean, you basically get paid there. Yeah, didn't even have to go to school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys deboed your way into the college football playoff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice job, AJ. Nice job, Shout out to Sermon, that running okay. back with 338 yards rushing in the Big Ten Championship. Northwestern, can we get a helmet to the ball? Hop out. Time. And how does Ohio State not cover that? Unbelievable both Dang ways that. there. It's uh, a little bit sad. Are how people, do you f- uh, 
hey, are people more upset that Ohio State is in or Notre Dame is in? In Notre Dame for sure, yeah, because yeah. Notre Dame's going to get beat by 30 yet again. This is kind of the way this whole thing goes. But, you know, I'm pumped for Clemson, Ohio State. Going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. Alabama, Notre Dame, that's going to be a good game. And they got five and six set up as Texas A&M and Oklahoma. A lot of people pissed off about that. Cincinnati will play Georgia. Indiana does not make it into uh, the Fiesta Bowl as an 11 seed. And, uh, and I can see how Indiana's pissed off about that. But win another year, you guys will get a lot more respect, mm-hmm. I think, because the Big Ten is going to be looking for somebody to be good, but it's probably just going to be the Ohio State squad. I love the Indiana team, by the way. I just want to let everybody know that. And they're playing against Ole Miss, I believe. Yep. And then you got Cincinnati playing Georgia. Shout out to Cincinnati beating Georgia. Yeah. Let's go, Cincinnati. Did you see what happened today or maybe yesterday? What? Army's 8 and 2. Okay. They don't get invited to a bowl game. 2 and 8, South Carolina gets to go to a bowl game. (gasps) What? Wow. South Carolina should do what LSU did and ban themselves from the bowl game. Self-imposed. So that Army, the people that are going to protect this country at some point, can get into a goddamn bowl game. And Unbelievable, AJ. It's because Ohio what, State. Well, what's the reasoning behind it? Like Ohio bigger, State. Bigger, mm-hmm. bigger fan base, more money. Yeah, but everybody knows that there no fans can travel. The Gasparilla Bowl, you can. Who? <laughs> the Gasparilla Bowl. Okay, yep. Are you, is that one you normally... That's not where I go, but I mean the Gamecocks will flock down there. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they're letting two and eight schools in bowl games. That's unbelievable. I thought you, this, well, year, I, yeah, this year, this year, Nebraska opted out, and all they want to do is play damn football. Oh, Nebraska opted out. Of uh, yeah, they don't want anything to do with the bowl games. Now. What is Nebraska going to do? By the way, Nebraska. Nebraska and the Big Ten are going to have a hilarious relationship forever. I guess we should. Have- Ask the commissioner of the Big Ten, A.J. Hawk. Hey, A.J., not a big of a pop in the boo factor for uh, Kevin Warren at the Big Ten Championship in my eyes. I I, I made my kids be, be quiet and try to turn it up. I almost see how much they're booing this dude, but I didn't hear a whole lot. Me neither. Not Players, by the way, didn't even give like – there wasn't even like a smart ass like, this guy sucks. Yeah, there wasn't even any of that. You know what I mean? General kind of, Bob fell off the radar. General Bob has let the troops down. I think uh, a lot of people wow. say that. Let's answer some phone calls. Who do you got, Cincinnati or Pittsburgh tonight? I got Pittsburgh, but I, I'm scared for them. I'm scared that this is an absolute terrible trap game for them and something terrible could happen, but I, I still feel yeah, they should win. They had their trap game on a Tuesday afternoon uh, against the Washington football team just mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and then the Bills, who are a very good squad, beat them. If they lose this game, not only is it you know AFC North in question now with the Cleveland Browns surging, but also Evan Fox will no longer yes. be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan if they lose tonight. Thank yeah, I'm not worried about this one. The Steelers have been smacking the bongos around since Boomer Sison was playing down there. Steelers <laughs> win and they cover. All right, let's go to Tony in Manhattan. Tony, what's going on, man? That's a Steelers. Guys, I got to tell you, I am enjoying. I am enjoying so much these Aaron Rodgers conversations that you have. It's it's oh. off the chart. Great radio. And every time I watch him on, on the games live, I'm thinking about conversations you guys spoke about. And just, I mean, I knew the guy had game based on his off-the-field exploits, which was, you know, legendary. I also thought he was a great dude when he was playing behind, when he was a backup to Favre when he first got drafted and never complained, never said anything. Just a team guy. Doesn't get talked about. How do you not root for that guy? He's cool as can be on the field, off the field. And then to hear him talking to you guys on the radio, like it's just one of the other guys, like in a room, it's just classic radio. And it just changed the way I watch the Packers play football. I mean, the guy's just a great dude. And it's- Thank you, Tony, in Manhattan, Indiana. Appreciate that. Ooh, nice. Let's go to White Falcon in Kansas, Indiana. What's going on, White Falcon? Hey, Pat, just want to let you guys know that you're, you're probably the best 
small regional show in America. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, White Falcon. I got a question for you. Okay, so Alan Bell from CBS Sportsline tweeted today, um, since 1980, there have only been two road favorites of 11-plus points coming off of back-to-back losses. Uh, 2019, the Chargers were minus 14 and a half in Miami, one by 20. In 2018, the Los Angeles Rams minus Rams were 14 at uh, Arizona, and one by 22. So does that mean we're going to hammer Pittsburgh at minus 14 tonight? And did you hear what Evan Fox just said? Evan Fox said they've been hammering the Bungles since Boomer Sison was taking dropbacks over there in Cincinnati. (laughs) They haven't updated the building, the facility, nothing since then. So nothing else is going to change. I think that is why we potentially hammer the Steelers tonight. But betting on the Steelers does come with one of those little paddle things, the clear things, because it is Mm going to be a ride tonight. What do you got, Diggs? As as a road favorite of 10 or more points uh, under Ben Roethlisberger, the Steelers have gone 2-11 against the spread. (laughs) Big Ben is a double-digit favorite, 13-24 against the spread. (laughs) That's the show. Can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show. I know there's a lot of other options. The fact that you allow us to penetrate your ear hole, we appreciate you. Just a small little regional show Mm -hmm. trying to make something of ourselves, and we can't thank you enough for listening. Big Aaron Rodgers Tuesday tomorrow. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, Should be awesome. I assume. Always is. Uh, Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music and propel these people into a glorious Monday. We thank you all so, so much. We'll see you tomorrow.